0: This is Madeline Smith, and you are listening to Actually Interesting History. We make history fun, accessible, and interesting by sharing the human story behind the dates we learned about in history class. As Rudyard Kipling said, if history was taught in the form of stories, it would never be forgotten. Now on with the show. Hello friends, a quick disclaimer, we are covering ancient Rome, and as such, we will be going over some adult themes. While I am never explicit, please review before sharing with young ones. Thank you very much. Quick recap of last episode, Sejanus, the catalyst for a lot of tragedy that has happened to Caligula and his family, was executed by surprise during an eventual meeting of the Senate. The timing of the death of sejanus was so soon after the deaths in germanicus's family that it does seem just a, like a tad too convenient for tiberius the historians and, but historians are split on what they believe tiberius's real motivations were like did he put sejanus up to this and then immediately after he was done get rid of him did he just like actually after all this was happening say actually i don't trust this guy let me get him out Who knows? We don't know. But either way, Sejanus is dead. And Caligula was no doubt relieved that he was gone. However, Tiberius soon summoned the now 18-year-old Caligula to live with him on Capri, and the danger was nowhere close to over. Around the same time that Caligula was invited, and strong quotation marks around invited, more like summoned slash you didn't have a choice, you're coming over here, (laughs) to hang out with Tiberius on Capri, Caligula was granted the togo virilis, it's V-I-R-I-L-I-S, which was a formal sign in Roman society that Caligula was now an adult. Now the translation of that word I just said, togo, whatever, That literally is translated to toga of manhood, which I giggled at quite a bit when (laughs) I first read. Um, But this was normally given to people around the age of 14, which furthers my assumption that people pretty much, and we kind of talked about this last episode, ignored slash did not pay attention to Caligula up until this point, and thank the gods for that. But now that his two brothers are unfortunately... One's in prison, he's gonna end up dying, and the other one was forced to commit suicide, probably. Caligula is now like in the spotlight. And why was Caligula invited? I'm not sure if you guys can hear the there sirens that just went by. I'm just gonna keep going. Anyways, so why was Caligula invited? Well, the positive spin on this event would be that Tiberius just wanted to spend some time with the person that everyone assumed was probably the next prospective heir. Less positive, uh, Caligula was being watched, and Tiberius wanted to make sure that anyone who could be plotting to replace Tiberius with Caligula wouldn't be able to do so, because Tiberius would quickly be able to handle the situation, if you know what I mean, basically like a hostage no one can plot on behalf of caligula because Caligula's here and if i find out about it caligula will be gone before you have a chance to get rid of me is the less nice way of putting that so there you go perhaps because caligula managed to avoid tiberius's wrath at the age of 20 in the year 33 a.d so he spent about two years on capri at this point Caligula gained an honorary political position and thus gained entrance into the Senate. He's now a member. He's a senator. He was under the minimum age. And if you remember, this also happened with Caligula's brothers, which was something that seemed to happen earlier and then especially at this point moving forward for people who were like princes of Rome, so potential heirs. And Tiberius, allowing this to happen, is signaling that, hey, you know, Caligula could be my heir. This could happen. Tiberius also arranges a marriage for Caligula to marry a woman named Juna Claudina, Claudilla. G-U-N-I-A, C-L-A-U-D-I-L-L-A. She was the daughter of a guy in the Senate who got to cast his first vote, which was a a huge honor. And it was Tiberius's way of communicating that like, this is my favorite guy. I like this guy. And I was imagining what this looked like playing out on the Senate floor when they're all like ceremoniously casting their votes. And when I was reading this, I actually thought, and I think it was a TV show or like something I was watching. And it was talking about how in a lunch line, I think maybe it's I have no idea where this lunch line was happening but basically there's clearly a hierarchy and like the upperclassmen regardless of when they arrived in the lunchroom got to go to the front of the line and the largest and most respected of the upperclassmen got to go first like that's his spot and there's a frenzy in the class cafeteria as everyone's lining up and if someone tries to go like higher than they're ranked in the social order then there's like a big to-do. And this frenzy that is cafeteria lunches in a space like this is exactly the representation I got in my head when I was imagining what this looked like when it was playing out on the Senate floor, which amused me greatly. Apparently during Caligula's first two years on Capri, Tiberius himself was indifferent He wasn't nice, but he wasn't mean either, which in this situation, it's not the worst thing that could be happening. So unfortunately, even though Tiberius was, you know, right in the middle, just like indifference, which we'll take it, the people around Tiberius, uh, not so much. They were not fans of Caligula. And I'm thinking that this was because many of these people had actively participated in the fates of Caligula's family members. So they're probably doing the math in their head and they realize oh wait if somehow caligula ends up on the throne uh that would be really bad for me and do you know do you know that meme of the woman with all the equations like around her head and she has this like look of like worry slash like realization that comes over her face like she like that meme of the woman with the short blonde hair, that is the image I have of them, the people around Tiberius in my head, like putting it together and realizing like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be a day when Tiberius is no longer in charge. And I just helped get rid of a bunch of people that this, the person who might one day be in charge of me to death, That that's not good, uh-oh. And so these people were looking around and they're like, all right, I don't want Caligula to end up being the next emperor. So if that's not what we want to happen, who else do we want to put in this place? And they looked around and they realized that Tiberius had a biological grandson through his son, Drusus. I remember, there's like three or four Drususes we've encountered at this point, but this is Tiberius's son and his name was Tiberius Grimellus. And let's just call him Grimellus moving forward, whatever. If you ever actually go back and read like any of the people I've mentioned, like Tacitus or, uh, Suetonius or any of those like ancient scholars, they sometimes refer to Grimellus as Tiberius when they're writing, which can get confusing. So I wanted to like include his full name in case you ever did that, but for our purposes, Grimellus. Uh, in 31 AD, right around the time that Caligula shows up at Capri, Grimellus is also there and he's 12. But, you know, these people who are around Tiberius, they're doing the math and they're like, oh no, we need we need out of this somehow. Uh, they realize, you know, Tiberius, he seems like pretty decent shape. And so if we can just get him to hang on for a few more years, Grimellus is a way better option for us. And that's what we want. Moving forward for Caligula for the next few years, even though Capri, by all instances today, sounds like a lovely vacation spot, for Caligula, his time on Capri consisted of constantly being watched, one band by Tiberius, who, again, terrible manager, not the type of person that you want to be in charge of keeping happy, and all those people that Tiberius was surrounded by, who would love a reason to be able to get rid of Caligula and I know that I already mentioned the deaths of Caligula's mom Agrippina the Elder and his brother Drusus that's brother number two that ended up being imprisoned but the official reports of them dying actually arrived to Caligula around the time that he's on Capri with Tiberius so how does he react? I am preparing my dramatic uh, quote reading voice. Let's see. Tacitus says Caligula's monstrous character was masked by a hypocritical modesty. Not a word escaped him at the sentencing of his mother or the destruction of his brothers. Whatever the mood assumed for by the day of Tiberius, the attitude of Caligula was the same and his words not greatly different. Now, (laughs) that's the end of the quote i'm not loving tacitus's attitude here and he's basically saying like caligula should have been more honest and he's basically saying like caligula sucked up to tiberius and he's painting this in a negative light and i would like to see tacitus in the same situation knowing that if he so much as blinks wrong when these like things are being told to Caligula, Caligula is going to end up being executed, and see what Tacitus does in that situation. So Tacitus's reaction annoys me. Suetonius also said, also, let's go quotation voice. Although at Capri every kind of wile was resorted to by those who tried to lure him or force him to utter complaints, he never gave them any satisfaction, ignoring the ruin of his kindred as if nothing at all had happened, passing over his own ill-treatment with an incredible pretense of indifference. And so, oh my gosh, I didn't <laughs> practice this word. Um, obsequitous, O-B-S-E-Q-I-Q-U-I-O-U-S, toward Tiberius and his household, that it was well said of him that no one had ever been a better slave or a worse master. So what I get from that Suetonius quote, if you ignore my complete butchering of whatever that word was supposed to be, what I'm getting from it is Caligula knew that he was being watched. And he knew that the people watching him wanted his destruction and he simply was not going to give it to him. And I think you know, I think that that's fair. I, I, I personally am very annoyed by these historians who are acting like Caligula had a choice in the matter. He didn't. Do I think that Caligula actually didn't care about the deaths of his mom and his brothers? Of course not. I think he cared a lot. I think that at this point, Caligula's in his late teens, early twenties, he's lived through a lot of stuff already, and he's smart enough to know that everything he does and says is being reported back in the worst possible light to Tiberius by people who want him gone. I think Caligula's smart. I think Caligula is doing exactly what he wants to do. And I feel personally at this point a lot of empathy for the guy. I was thinking about what kind of toll this would take on a person emotionally constantly knowing that your face basically has to be stone and your entire life hangs on the whim of a guy that is basically responsible for all of the tragedy that has befallen your life the death of your mom the death of your brothers possibly the death of your dad don't forget that and i was just thinking about what that might feel like and you know i if i'm having a day where I'm just like not really in the mood to talk to anyone. You know, my anxiety's acting up. I just don't feel great. I just like want to be left alone. And if I have to leave my house and go to a work meeting or go to plans I made that I now regret, like even if it's only for like three hours, worst case scenario, when I finally get to leave where I'm at. And I finally like get back into my car and you have that moment where you get to be alone again and you can kind of like drop the face that you're getting on. Like when I'm on my way home, like I I actually was just talking to my therapist the other day. Uh, I like I'll sit there and think like, huh, like if I put on a sad song right now, I could definitely cry. Like it's just that emotional exhaustion for someone who's like truly introverted and anxious. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Now, imagine that you have to do this for years with a person who has basically made, like I said, all of the terrible things that have happened to you, like regardless of whether Tiberius was doing it out of like spite or hate or not, he's still ultimately responsible. I I just cannot imagine what that would have been like. And so there's this quote that I saw from someone who met Caligula a few times and this person didn't like him so it's not like i think that when someone doesn't clearly like someone but they say something positive about them i trust that more than someone who's writing flattering things about that person and he said caligula was skilled in discerning a man's secret wishes and feelings from his open countenance. countenance oh my gosh that just reminded me there's this moment in the history clip, Chicks, where literally, (laughs) literally they have like, she's reading a quote and there's like continents and countenance it's countenance. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. Okay. So anyways, basically Caligula was really good at reading Tiberius and giving him what he wanted. And what I think that the historians, do not take any time for at all is the fact that this must have been incredibly emotionally draining and the fact that caligula did as well as he did shows that he had a really good sense of being able to read tiberius and give him what he wanted regardless of the fact that this must have been emotionally exhausting overall this marriage in terms of what it means for caligula and how tiberius is viewing him at this point even though his the wife in question wasn't related to the imperial family uh like the wives of his brothers had been it was a good marriage like he was obviously an important person even though she wasn't like of imperial lineage it's still an important marriage and his brothers' marriages had been with like basically their cousins in the imperial family. So it's like it wasn't quite as good but also there weren't really options for the from the imperial family at this point for Caligula. So all in all but I'd say like mostly positive. Uh, His wife by the way ends up dying in childbirth a few years later so we're not going to mention her again but uh, this happened a lot in the ancient world. Now, around this time, Tiberius also was overseeing the marriages of Caligula's three sisters. And we'll talk more in depth about his sisters later. But all of the marriages collectively were kind of the same thing. Like, they're good, but they're not so good. And they're not so good in the fact that they're not going to affect if Grimellus, ends up becoming emperor like none of the children of these marriages or the prestige that any of the either partners in these marriages is going to get would be more prestigious collectively than Grimellus and so it's like one of those things where it's still like a coin toss who knows what Tiberius wants he's basically keeping all the doors open in the year 35 a.d tiberius wrote a will and spoiler alert he didn't say who his heir was going to be in the will so basically again caligula wasn't in but he wasn't out either which basically all of his actions up till now and by his i mean Tiberi- tiberius's were demonstrating the same thing so while on capri uh, other than avoiding the wrath of tiberius caligula seemed to have spent his time studying and I read this quote, and I think it's worth sharing because it shows a little bit of what Caligula's outside demeanor would have looked like to the people of Rome. So I think that it's worth mentioning because we haven't really gotten a sense of what Caligula was like to people now that he's more of an adult. So he's uh, so this quote says, he was moreover a first rate orator deeply versed in the greek and latin languages he knew how to reply impromptu to speeches that others had composed after long preparation and to show instantly more persuasive than anyone else even where the greatest matters were seated all this resulted from a natural aptitude for such things and from his adding to that aptitude the practice of taking elaborate pains to strengthen it so basically, Tiberius really liked having people around that were smart, and Caligula had a natural aptitude for it, and he was really good at languages, he was good at persuasion, he's a great orator, and he's basically demonstrating in a time where this type of thing was really important to your manhood and your like perceived worthiness as a Roman man in society, he was demonstrating that he was really good at these things. So I think that that is uh, another example of like Tiberius, he likes this, this is good, and Caligula is playing into it. And also the people of Rome would have really positively responded to this as well. So other than studying and being surrounded by the people who want you gone and the person that they want to replace you with and the man who organized this tragedy that has befallen your family, what else was going on on Capri? Uh, and well, the tales are not great, though I feel like before I get into more of the specifics of this, I need to give the disclaimer that the people writing about this We're always trying to please the current emperor during the time that they're writing. That, and that means, and they all seem to think the best way to do this, uh, which I find hilarious, was uh, to make the people that came before the current emperor sound so terrible that it would make the person that they're scared of look fantastic by comparison. So do I think all of these stories are true? I, I honestly couldn't tell you, but I do think that regardless of whether I think they're valid or not, I think that they give us some insight to what the people of Rome thought Tiberius was up to on Capri, and because of that, it's worth talking about. And there's always the possibility that all of this was true, in which case I definitely think it will color uh, Caligula's later actions in life. So. Without further ado, here we go. Here are a few stories of Caligula's time on Capri. During the year 36 AD, Caligula had arrived again sometime around year 31, so he's about five years into his stay on Capri at this point. A grandson of Herod the Great came to Capri to visit Tiberius. This grandson's name was Agrippa. And Herod was technically a king, so that meant that Agrippa was a prince. Now, Agrippa has spent his childhood in Rome, so he's a prince, he's of foreign descent, but he's lived in Rome, so he's very familiar with Roman society. So Tiberius told Agrippa to spend some time with Grimellus, and, so, and who knows why he said that, maybe he just particularly was showing favor to Grimellus that day. Uh, Side note, Tiberius did seem to play Grimellus and Caligula against each other. Maybe he thought that the competition, I was going to say friendly competition, but that doesn't sound right. So the competition would make whoever came out on top ultimately a better ruler, like survival of the fittest made the strong endure. Or maybe he just liked emotionally torturing people. Who's to say? Anyways, so Agrippa, who, again, is coming from Rome, he knew how much people loved caligula and agrippa decided that he wanted to spend more time with the person that he thought was probably going to end up on the throne maybe thinking that if he could win some favor with caligula ahead of time this would be beneficial to him later on in his life and you know tiberius is old so they're thinking you know sooner rather than later caligula might be emperor So one afternoon, Agrippa and Caligula are on a carriage ride. And Agrippa basically is sucking up to Caligula. And, you know, maybe it was genuine. I wasn't there. But he's basically talking to Caligula. He's really talking him up. He's saying that he wants him to sit on the throne. He's saying, like, all these really positive things about Caligula. And a few days later, when the carriage driver was accused of something, the carriage driver, wanting to get the heat off of him, decides that his best shot... (laughs) is to accuse someone else of something worse, a typical survival strategy. And he reports that Agrippa's, and he reports Agrippa's words. And the quote is something along the lines of, I hope the day will at length arrive when his old man will leave the scene and appoint you ruler of the world. For his grandson, Germellus, would by no means stand in our way since you would put him to death uh the world would then know bliss and i above all so this is the quote that the carriage driver says that agrippa said to caligula tiberius decides that he believes this carriage driver uh i couldn't find anywhere what ends up happening to this carriage driver i'm assuming that this didn't completely get the heat off of him but eh, you know maybe it did And Agrippa was put in jail. Keep in mind, Agrippa, again, is a king, or not a king. He's a prince, the grandson of a king, doesn't matter. And Caligula had either just ignored the remark outright or responded in a way that even when the carriage driver, who I'm sure was just hammered over and over again, tell us what Caligula said, tell us what Caligula said, whatever the carriage driver reported, it didn't make Tiberius mad and thus, Caligula manages to survive this episode. This next event that I'm gonna share with you doesn't directly involve Caligula, but I think it demonstrates how careful you have to be around Tiberius, so I felt like throwing it in. I mentioned Tiberius. He liked to read and have philosophers around, and he wanted to talk about these things at mealtime, and so he would have people around. Uh, And we talked about how Caligula was reading and he demonstrated to actually be pretty good at this stuff. So one guy in particular wanted to get a leg up on the competition to win favor with Tiberius. Since whomever Tiberius liked the most would get, you know, money and favors and all of that stuff that hangers on of important people like to get. Just think about how, you know, people with power and wealth and money, they have entourages. So it's a member of the entourage. And this guy asked one of Tiberius's servants what Tiberius was currently reading so that he could prepare ahead of time and outshine all of the other people that he was competing with for attention. Now this was reported to Tiberius and Tiberius decided that he was suspicious of how much this guy wanted to suck up to him. So the opposite of what this guy wanted to happen, happened, Tiberius ends up banishing him And he's ultimately made to commit suicide. So basically, suck up and do what Tiberius wants, but don't do it so much that he becomes suspicious of you. Remember how we talked about what a bad (laughs) manager Tiberius would have been? Yeah, this is another another instance of that. Uh, Tiberius was also reported to have tortured and executed people on a pretty regular basis. I already mentioned my um, anger with Suetonius at this point, the way he's like covering Caligula's time on Capri. But Suetonius basically says like, when this would happen, like Caligula would like eagerly watch and like took pleasure in it. And while I think Suetonius was writing this, with a, he's kind of setting up what Caligula's reputation would eventually end up being later in life, spoiler alert, I think that it's also possible that Tiberius was probably watching the way Caligula responded. So regardless of how he personally felt on the matter, it's not like he was in a position where Caligula could express distaste to what was going on. So if he had to watch an execution and he knew Tiberius was watching his face, he couldn't act like he was mad that it was happening, because it could be him next. Also, on a personal note to Suetonius, I think it's a little like the pot calling the kettle black on this subject, considering that Rome and the Colosseum's going to built like, what, 40 years from now, whenever it's going to be built. The same culture that puts people to death on a regular basis for sport uh, was doing that not long after this. So, think about, think about your culture is Suetonius and then get back to me on Caligula taking a little bit too much like pleasure in this, if that even happened, which it's, it's not confirmed that it did. Sorry, Suetonius bothers me. Last, but certainly not least. While I don't want to go into graphic detail, there are a lot of stories about uh, Tiberius's, how do I say this? Um, Sexual appetites. Some of these stories involve Caligula uh, debauchery. That's a good word. There's a lot of debauchery and things supposedly happening on Capri. Now I think that even based on the charges that were brought up against Caligula's brothers, remember they had this like weird like they said that it was like sexual impropriety. I think that that demonstrates to me that these tales were probably more of a smear campaign than they were actually truthful and if you're interested in learning further uh, information about this it's not hard to find and i don't think that i can do this episode and talk about caligula's time on capri without at least mentioning it so i did i'm gonna leave it here the rest is up to you if you'd like to look into that further i'll even Here's your chance to pause, go look at it. And then we'll pop back in to the story now. As Tiberius approached the end of his life, there are a couple interpretations of how the events played out in typical Tiberius fashion. He had one friend in particular that he liked a lot. And this friend was the new Praetorian perfect. Uh, and his name was Marco. Uh, Marco, like his predecessors, Janus, remember him, became the second most powerful man in Rome after the emperor. I, old habits die hard. Yeah, I, yeah. Tiberius, whatever. So Marco and his wife, uh, whose name is Ennia, E-N-N-I-A, would ultimately play a large role in how events would unfold after Tiberius's death. In 36 AD, right around the time that the prince got arrested, it was reported that Tiberius was concerned about Grimellus. Namely, if Caligula became emperor, then what was going to happen to Grimellus, who is now 17 years old? Some historians report that had Tiberius lived longer, Caligula would ultimately have met a similar fate to that of his brothers. These reports say that Tiberius found out that Caligula was plotting to become emperor, but he just didn't have time to act on the information. On the other hand, there are some historians that say that Tiberius didn't think Grimellus was actually legitimate, because if you remember, Drusus's, so that's Tiberius's son, wife, Lavilla, had been having an affair with Sejanus for years and years, and so Tiberius, who's firmly no longer on Team Sejanus at this point, didn't think that Grimellus was actually his grandson. Other people say that Tiberius was waiting for a sign from the gods, but considering what we know about Tiberius, I think Tacitus is closest to the truth when he basically said that Tiberius simply did not have the strength to make the decision, which I think is very much on brand. With that, Tiberius died on March 16th in the year 37. And let's talk about how Tiberius died. Uh, There are a few interesting stories and ultimately what happens in what is going to be Gramellus v. Caligula next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, I recently announced that I am competing for miss ohio usa again if you're listening to this in present time if you're listening to this in like future time who cares but if you're listening to this in the present it's going to be may 21st it's my last year of age eligibility so i'm really excited uh, there's more information up on my instagram if you want to know more but thank you guys so much uh this podcast is what i really enjoy doing and i'm just really grateful thanks bye